And welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. Good afternoon, Morris. Good afternoon, my friend. How are you? No more lies. <laughs> no more promises that nobody could keep. So he was at the uh, the Beacon a couple nights, right? Yeah, he played the same uh, 12 songs four nights in a row. <laughs> oh, really? No, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he played the same list uh, pretty uh. consistently, which is fine with me. They're great songs. Um but Tuesday yeah. and Wednesday, 75 bucks to schlep down to the Beacon is a tall order when I can listen to it at 7 o'clock the next morning on my commute to work. You know, um, somebody posted the whole show on uh, YouTube. Oh. Yeah. So I think that might be a copyright infringement, but I'll leave that to the lawyers. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of lawyers, our our sponsors are uh, Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe. <laughs> We cheat them and how? <laughs> oh, brother. So um, I just give you a little heads up. Mm-hmm. The air conditioning in the studio here is not working so good. So, But you've got that, um, you've got that as- asbestos insulation, so you should, uh, yeah, yeah. you should stay nice and snug. Yeah, nice and, uh, nice and warm. We got a, a heat wave coming this way, too. Yeah, I saw 90 degrees. Um, was it hot when you were in Colorado? Because you were in Colorado this past yes, week, correct? Yes, I was in Colorado, and uh, um, that was delightful. Oh, really? There's something weird. Uh, you know, it's like the highs was like 70 degrees mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'd be walking outside and it would feel like 80. Mm-hmm. So there's something, the temperature and pressure. So, so for instance, you're 10,000 feet closer to the sun, 10,200. But anyway, um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, one night we decided to uh, stay home for dinner. Jason's going to make some pasta. And so he's sitting there with the pot boiling the water. I'm like, you know, uh, that's going to take a lot longer than you think. And uh, it's what do you mean? I said, I, I don't know exactly wh- how this works, but um, it, it takes lo- longer for water to boil at, at elevation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we looked it up on uh, Google or something, and at sea level it takes 10 minutes, and at 10,000 feet it takes 20 minutes. So okay. Just a little pro tip mm-hmm. for those planning mm-hmm. on uh, cooking pasta at elevation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so did you enjoy yourself out there training? Uh, you know, um, it's funny you should ask because, uh, you know, that saying, it never gets easier. You just go faster. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I had kind of forgotten about that thing. <laughs> yeah. So yep. the first, the first couple of days, uh, I struggled, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not going to go spend too much time because if you, can see the uh, t-shirt that Leslie Harris sent me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it said, the t-shirt says, nobody cares, mm-hmm. train harder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, a- anyway, the long story short, um, after being there for four days, uh, 
and getting a chance to get a little accustomed to the, the change in altitude. I, I had a, a really good ride. Oh, good. But uh, the big day, uh, I guess, was Wednesday. Um, we did half the course, the hard half, really. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I had a few uh, a few dark dark moments, um, which uh, on my Strava title uh, was. I'm not going to drink any fucking Merlot. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I looked over to Jason. We're kind of middle of a power line going mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm. And I look at him and I'm like, I'm going to be 61. What in the world am I doing pushing what am I doing fucking here? bike up a hill? And he looks at me. He's like, that's the event. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the event. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I had a really nice week. Um, Good, but it was more fun looking back than <laughs> working through it. Right, than halfway up power line. Right, that when you were questioning, what am I doing here? Oh, that Why was am my, I? Uh, yeah, is it on power line or Kevin's or whatever? Well, going up Kevin's, I I set the bike down. <laughs> I'm like, I, I can't talk. I can't do. I'm this. sorry. You, you set it down gently. You just dismounted and placed I dis- it. I dismounted. I set the bike down. <laughs> Okay. Um, you didn't unlike, throw it. No, unlike the the hissy fit I had at the top of Mount Ventoux. <laughs> um, oh, excuse me, Alpe d'Huez. When mm-hmm. I got to the top, I took my helmet off and I destroyed it in front of all of my friends didn't in frustration. You, didn't you get taken on some single track in like Lake Tahoe, like Flume Trail or something? I did. Yes, I have thrown a mountain bike. Yes. Yes, I. Yes. Look, I. Uh, first of all, I'm 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 willing to admit I have anger management issues. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. Um, but I, in my defense, uh, you know I I like to think I carry a lot of responsibility, and mm-hmm. when there's you know a lot of difficult things going on, I'm usually pretty level headed. So it's it's not a closed system, right? Mm-hmm. It's kinda, it's uh, you know some men. Some, excuse me, some people mm-hmm. gamble, some people drink, some people are philanderers, and some people throw shit. And I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm, a, I'm a thrower guy. <laughs> we know, only do it on the bike. So if, if it happens yeah. on the bike, that's the proper, that's totally fine. Well, one would think so. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I was thinking like on the, in the trading room, like when I started managing people, you know, I, I stopped smashing phones and, and because, you know, I felt like I had to have some decorum and mm-hmm, I had to be mm-hmm. the guy. And, uh, um, you know, I, I never really read any of those management books that people read. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the things I learned are, are actually in the, those books. Uh, but, you know, I, I came to them a little differently. We, we were at dinner a couple weeks ago at, uh, that place on the water in, okay. in Greenwich. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, the bike guys were there. And, and one of the guys uh, was a former CEO of Fortune 500 company. Now he's turned into a private equity guy. And he was talking about how these private equity guys don't know how to run a business. You know, he didn't understand, you know, why they weren't getting ready to give six month reviews to the analysts. And uh, I raised my hand. I'm like, you know, <laughs> I, I manage people for like, 25 years i i didn't give any reviews and uh he kind of looked at me and we changed mm-hmm. the subject but you know and i understand in, in my line of work reviews 
it's just really not that kind of thing. So if you're a trader, you know, nobody cares, train harder. That, mm-hmm. That's what I liked about trading. Mm-hmm. You looked at the P&L. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, one number. And, and, there, and there were risk measures, right? Guys had limits to, to stay within. Um, but, you know, at the end of the year or the end of the quarter or whatever it was, you know, I, I don't need to ask you about your feelings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the way, I, I mean, nobody really asked me about mine. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then with the analysts, if they were doing a crummy job, what's the point of waiting six months to tell them and be like, here, uh, the, the number of meetings I had that were five minutes or less that took pl- place in the photocopy room on the trading floor, it's like I didn't even have, well, I feel like walking back to my office. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're like, what are you doing that for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And l- let's sort it out and this and that. And- but, you know, I never kept track of guys' days off or, I mean, you know, it's like. Can't Unless they were going climbing. So you were in New York City this weekend, huh? I was. I was. Tell me um, about that. Marivana, check. Really? Got it delivered to the hotel. Yeah. That way I didn't have to uh, deal with the lovely wait staff and uh, sit there in yeah. the restaurant with the, uh, with with the, the baby, baby. And, yeah. and have to have like a horseradish vodka flight. You know, that way I could just avoid all those, those traps. Do they deliver alcohol? Or oh, you- no, 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 no. Uh, I mean, actually, I bet they would. I think if I ordered it, they would have. I bet if I said, give me your, your clever little pickled beet vodka flight, they, I think they would. I think because of what everything that's been going on, they changed <laughs> that law. Um, oh, yeah the duck, the Russian meat pies, um, pickled vegetables. Yeah, that place is fantastic. Where'd you Um, stay? uh, A place down in Soho. I don't want to plug it because, uh, but yeah, it was fantastic. Five minutes from Blue Ribbon. Uh, I didn't mean to say that, but yeah, Blue Ribbon. Um, Had had food from there. Um, The the sushi or the other? The 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 brasserie. Yeah, the brasserie. (sighs) Yeah, I mean, now that I've said yeah. it, that's the best restaurant in Manhattan. I'm not afraid to say it. For the last 20 years, you can go there at 4 a.m. and have delicious food, be treated like family, if you can get in. Yeah, there's a line out the door. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, where yeah. that's where all the um, that's where all the uh, chefs go. Yeah, when when uh, when the kitchens close, um, I, you know, it's funny. Uh, it, it just kind of sparked a thought. So uh, the book that we really like. Uh, Among the Thugs by Bill Buford. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that today. Uh, I'm afraid we're going to have to take that one off the list. Okay. Um, he wrote another book where he worked in the kitchen for Mario Batali, mm-hmm. which was which was really good and really interesting. But he wrote a recent book, and recent being in the last 24 months, and I forget the name of it. But he moved his family to France to learn how to cook. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I read the first X number of pages, and the guy's kind of laughing about all the hoops he made his poor wife jump through. So he sounded like a total douche. And, you know, I guess, you know, I'm thinking, well, if the end justifies the means, he gets to a point where he, talks himself into going with a bunch of French chefs to this thing where they kill a pig and they cut it up, cook it, and eat it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But wait, 
that's not the part that got to me. It was, it's been several months since I, I started reading Put It Down. But mm-hmm. he talks about how they get this pig, and the pig is sort of like tied down. And they slit the jugular vein of the pig. So the pig is bleeding to death. Mm-hmm. And his job is, as the blood leaks out of the vein, to catch it into a bucket and stir it slowly so it doesn't congeal. And then they drink it. Yeah, you lost me there. Yeah. Yeah. Like you had me at hello. Yeah, yeah, we were the pig roast was fine until we're drinking the blood. Yeah, that that let that tradition die. Maybe you know, I'm I'm uh, I, I'm I love a good steak now and again, but mm-hmm. drinking the blood in the animal nah, while it's dying, I'm out. I mean, get some help. In that in the Batali book, he bought a he he bought a pig. Yeah. <laughs> And like got it delivered to the Union Square Farmers Market or whatever, then schlepped it downtown to his apartment up yeah, in the elevator. Up in the elevator. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That should have been a clue. That, <laughs> in, in in this psychiatric profession, which I study, we call that a cry for help. Right. Right. <laughs> so uh, let's see. Who can we bash today? You want to start? Not- with, let's go with Tether. You want to start with Tether? No. I, well, can can I just make a quick public service announcement that I saw a picture of Larry Summers and Jeffrey Epstein? <laughs> it's been making the rounds. Is that I'm the sure. first time? Is that the first time you've seen that? Uh, no, but I, I was, haven't. Se- I haven't seen. Yeah, it. I was probably focused on Alan Dershowitz, who was mm-hmm. in the background, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you know what's kind of interesting is, uh, um. Obviously, as we discussed here on Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut, how we saw um, Bill and Melinda Gates, those Mm -hmm. poor two kids, went separate ways, right? Um, Oddly enough, Warren Buffett has resigned from the Gates Foundation board, Mm -hmm. which um, I guess at his age, he's got too many commitments. Exactly. uh, It's just a little bit better if he kind of, Steps, steps away, steps away, and, mm-hmm. and allows the younger generation to fill in, just like um, Diane Feinstein and Nancy mm-hmm. Pelosi. Yep, graceful exit. Let the new generation, like you said, let the new generation yeah. take over. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So tether. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, I went for a bike ride today. Uh, it was supposed to be me, uh, that young Canadian kid we like from the mm-hmm. gravel, mm-hmm. and uh, Big E. Mm-hmm. And uh, Biggie was MIA, mm-hmm. which um, anniversary weekend he gets let him slide. What? It's his anniversary weekend. He gets a pass. Nobody yeah. told me that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Three years it's been. Yeah, three 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 year anniversary. How do you gets- know that, and I don't. Oh well, I went to Wednesday night ride, and I had a nice big talk. I went uh, and saw my constituents. Okay, I I leave town for five days. And yep. you're at the Wednesday night ride. Wednesday night ride, eighty people there. Yeah, Speaking I just of, made my way through the Peloton and saw all my friends. Sure. You know. Speaking of the Peloton, did you hear about this thing in Arizona last week? I saw it, dude. I didn't even want to read the articles. Um, yeah. So how many? Was, how many people got killed? I think at this point. I don't think anybody has died. Okay. This may, I, my news is only a couple of days old, but just so, you know, to be clear about what we're talking about, there was like a charity race in Arizona and some guy 
and a Ford F-150 just drives right into the Peloton, runs over a, a bunch of people. One of Jason's athletes, yeah, two broken vertebra, uh, like broke his jaw. Yep. Um, then a bunch of the uh, people we know were like in the second group. They came upon it. Wow. You know, and there's like yeah, 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 yeah. war zone. Yeah, horror show. Yep. So uh, um, note to self, stop yelling F you and throwing things at cars. Mm-hmm. Um, true. So I'll be a little bit more more careful out there. Um, um, the lady that took down, speaking of bike crashes, the lady that took down the Tour de France yesterday, you see what they're going to do to her? They're going to whack her with a year in jail. If they can get her, they're going to throw her in jail for a year. And ASO, the organizer, is going to sue her. Uh, typically, they like make her president. <laughs> um, tether. Okay, we we're talking about we we're talking about tether, right? Yeah. So uh, I'm riding with the Canadian kid, who lovely, lovely mm-hmm, guy, mm-hmm. right? And uh, sophisticated markets professional Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so um you know uh, before i went out for the ride uh cheryl um feigned interest in our podcast (laughs) and she says what are you guys going to talk about i'm going to talk about bitcoin again and i'm like uh i said you know there's a word called perseverate are you familiar with this one Mm mm-hmm so it means to talk about the same thing over and over again without new mm-hmm. information. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said to her, I, I got to be careful about perseverating. I mean, mm-hmm. I know the point of this show is for you and I to spend an hour mm-hmm. together once a week and that if anyone wants to listen, that's fine. But, right. you know, now that we got a sponsor, yep. uh, you know, we, we need uh, a lot of pressure ratings, right? Pressure from the studio yeah. and the suits. Exactly. So I'm talking to this Canadian kid. And I said, so um, do you follow this crypto stuff? And uh, he's like, yeah, a little bit. Wouldn't consider myself an expert. And uh, I said, well, do you, first of all, did you hear about those two kids from South Africa? He's like, well, I've been out of town. What, what are you talking about? And I said, oh, these two poor kids from South Africa, they went missing. And he had a concerned look on his face. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, and right after $3.6 billion in Bitcoin went missing. <laughs> so uh, um, he didn't hear about that part. Mm. Uh, anyway, um, the purpose of the conversation was what I wanted to ask him was if he understood this concept of the tether thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, people call it stable coin. And, and um, once again, a, a very bright well-informed investor, you know, no idea how this thing works. When, when I told them the daily trading volume of Tether is more than Bitcoin and Ethereum put together, it was like shocked. Yeah. So um, I went through and uh, uh, again, because I think there's, is, there, is the word cognitive dissonance? Yeah, like absolutely. There's, like there's a thing where oh, oh yeah. a society and people just won't accept it or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So I went through. I'm going to try and open this up on my iPad without destroying our podcast. Right, right. But I, I got the um, the letter from the accounting firm that reviewed uh, the financials. Okay. Now, keep in mind, 
I studied accounting, I taught accounting, I passed the CPA exam, but I never practiced. And uh, so you may say I'm not qualified. Uh, and that's a fair point. Meaning if what I say offends you or whatever, uh, don't bother suing me because I'm not claiming to be able to tell you anything. But when I read the, the letter, the independent accountant's report, this is not an audit. Okay. And didn't they say that though? Yeah. So one of the key things as a uh, fan now of the great salad oil swindle, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah. Great story, right? So Fantastic. you learn about verifying mm-hmm. trust, but verify, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the key thing with accounting and auditing is you need to have these things called internal controls. So what's, what's the simplest internal control? It's a cash register, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you, you ring up a sale, yep. you, you make, you, you put a little sign up that says, if the cashier doesn't give you a receipt, we'll give you $20, right? That kind of thing. That way you, they ring the register, the money goes in at the end of the day, they yada, 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 you know the story. Okay. That's a very simple example of an internal a control procedure. So the one thing in this uh, letter from Moore Kamen that I looked, I think they have nine employees. Um, they they talked about the fact that they obtained an understanding of the internal controls, which were used in the preparation of the financials. But this letter was not for the purpose of expressing an opinion on the effectiveness of such internal controls. Accordingly, no opinion is expressed. One more thing. Uh, all, of this, all this report did was it took the financials provided by management and compared it to the books of management and said, oh, yeah, these reports match the books. Worthless. Yeah. Okay. Total, yeah. So I um, could have done that. Without, uh, with, without like getting too worked up because I can obviously get to the point where I'm willing to throw a bicycle, uh, 22 pound full suspension mountain bike. Um, I mean, I, I just, I'm speechless. Right. That, um, the United States government. Okay. What, what, what Leticia, Leticia James, James said it their statements were a lie. I mean, this is the attorney general and they said it's a lie. And you, and, and New Yorkers are banned from doing business with tether. Correctly. Correct. Is it? That's what it said. That's yeah. what it says. So once again, not an attorney. Right. And, and the thing that just kind of blows my mind. Uh, so if I'm one of these guys and, or one of these people in the business, right? Let's say, I got the schmati coin, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I want to I give this thing credibility. I want this industry to have credibility. So I would be up there going, just get a freaking audit. You got $60 billion in assets or whatever it is. Get, a, get an audit and, and then end the doubt. So this to me is, you know, one of these things where it's the iconic con game. Okay. So one of the things that I believe doing this from memory now, 
but the salad oil swindle had in uh, with same thing with Madoff. Okay, there was a there were they had a, a similarity. So the thing is, if the guy if the auditor estimated how much salad oil or oil that this guy claimed to own. It was like 10 times the amount of oil in the world. Yeah, yeah. So there wasn't, they didn't do any ratio analysis. Same thing with Madoff. He would claim to have positions that were multiple times the size of the open interest in these option contracts. Okay. So with the tether, okay, they claim that they're like the sixth or seventh largest holder of commercial paper. And the bank guys no, have never seen them. Yep. It, it's like the Jeffrey Epstein thing. Okay. So it, in in that it, he has had $500 million and is supposed to make all this money trading, right? But no one ever saw him. Mm-hmm. But that's not how the world works. I, I yeah. can tell you, sitting on a trading floor for X number of years, you hear what goes on. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, Van Hosington's buying, or you know, Paul Tudor Jones is selling, or you know, Stanley Druckenmuller's doing this because, you know, it, that's just how the world works, right? Yeah, especially um, nowadays with all the information instantaneously. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, I could bark all day about Tether. And I, I mean, well, the Fed started, well, the Fed on Friday barked about it a little bit, no? Yeah, I guess. It's like, like yeah, you know, like, you know what? Nobody cares. Train harder. You yep. know what? Just f- f- fucking get the guys with the FBI jackets, Scully and Mulder, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and put the smackdown on the thing. I don't. I don't know. So back to Leadville. Sure, it's coming. It's like next week. Not yet. Don't rush me. Okay. Um. So uh, we eat out a few times, and now. Mm-hmm. The whole purpose of this Leadville race is to raise money for, you know, like the kids in the town and stuff, because mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. a mining town and uh, the mine closed, that sort of thing. And so uh, it's, you get some tourists that go through there, but it's not like an Aspen or a Vale or whatever. Okay. So there's not a lot of choices for restaurants and stuff like that. So we, we went to a steakhouse one night and, uh, we walk in and uh, the hostess uh, says, have you been here before? I said, no, you got steak? <laughs> she says, yeah, tonight's steak is filet mignon. I'm like, what do you mean tonight's steak? She, she says, Friday and Saturday we have prime rib. The rest of the nights we have filet mignon. I'm like, okay, well, I like filet mignon. So we sit down and they give us the menu and it's not like one of those little QR code things. Like uh-huh, you had. Okay. Uh-huh. It's like a little plastic card uh-huh. and there's three things on the menu. Steak, uh-huh. macaroni and cheese, vegetable lasagna. Wow. No appetizers. Because That's it. Every, everything is uh-huh. st- the steak. Everything comes with a house salad uh-huh. and a baked potato. And so uh, we both had water Mm-hmm. And um, without before tip, it was thirty two dollars. Wow! So yep, the, the West, the West, no inflation there. So the next night, 
uh, walking back from the steak place, we see this other place. It actually looks kind of cool, mm-hmm. and it's almost empty. I'm like, okay, we're going there tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Right? So we walk in, and um, it's it's a hip place, except there's like nobody in nobody there. there. Yeah, and they got all the fancy bottles mm-hmm. up, and so. Uh, Jason and I decided we would have a, have one cocktail. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at the tequila that they had on the shelf. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know this, but uh, Big E and I at one point owned a tequila company. Come on. <laughs> I, okay. Yeah, go with really? me. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Fun fact. All right. Um, so I see the bottle. So, Biggie and I get taken out of this thing years ago. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Bought it from us. You know, we're, it wasn't a George Clooney situation, right? Got it. It's like yep. we're probably the only two guys who ever owned a te- tequila company and didn't make any money. Right, right. But uh, I see this bottle, and it's a, it's um, I'm not plugging them, mm-hmm. but it's a it's a unique looking bottle. And so I said to the the barkeep, anyone ever drink that stuff? And and they're like, all the time. Wow. <laughs> it's like a fourth bottle. <laughs> Fuck, perfect. Killing you, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So we, we sit down and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jason's just such a wonderful guy. So we were talking about kind of like, uh, I was telling him about the, the tequila thing. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. And by now, he's a little bit like you, right? He's heard a lot of these stories and at first he didn't believe me and then eventually mm-hmm. he realizes it's just, you, mm-hmm. you can't make it can't up. Can't make right? it up. <laughs> so he's telling me how he was uh, bike riding, uh, you know, years ago, and he uh, was racing me at one of the first carbon fiber bikes. And so he was riding around Flagstaff or something, and and uh, somebody comes up to him and says, uh, that's a nice bike. Um, can we hire you to use it in a commercial? So, uh, you know, th- th- decides, Yeah. So the commercial is like a, an outdoor mm-hmm. company. And so he ends up hanging out with Conrad Anker and Lynn Hill. Lynn Hill, likely the greatest woman climber of all time. So I'm kind of blown away mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I like the yeah. climbing. Okay. Uh, so I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one because we were talking about Big E, right? So, uh, one day, uh, I get an email from Biggie. It's like, hey, uh, a friend of mine invited me to Rayo's in Manhattan or, you know, um, Harlem, Harlem, right? Mm-hmm. You want to go? And I'm like, yeah. Like, it's supposed yeah, to be this really cool, fantastic place, right? And I've never. Invitation never only, basically. Invitation only, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so I'm like, when should I be there? So I show up and uh, I get there and I meet Ed's friend and Ed's friend invited three other people. So there's six of us. So I'm sitting at the table and to my left is a woman, very, very attractive. To the right is her fiance, soon to be husband. And to the right of him is this, this other guy. Uh, I didn't really talk to too much. So it turns out 
the woman, uh, I get the impression she's sort of like a struggling actress and she had just come from an audition and, um, I'm like, Oh, okay. Uh, you know, that's interesting. Hope you have some success. And the guy to my right is her fiance. He like lives in Brooklyn and he does tattoos. I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And the guy next to him, I don't know exactly what he does. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, we, we have a, a, a nice conversation, uh, no comment on the food and, uh, we're leaving. And so the guy that I haven't spoken to much, I said, uh, so you live in town here? And he's like, well, I got a place here and I got a place in Los Angeles. And I said, Oh, what do you do? He says, well, I'm, I'm an actor. And I said, um, I, I think sounds like that's a real hard way to make a living. I, I, I wish you a lot of luck with it. You know, just, you know, as I said to Cheryl yesterday, I, I can be charming when I want. And, and she replied, well, maybe one day I'll see that. <laughs> yeah. Let me know when that's happening. Uh, so we go our separate ways. I hop in the car. Dave's bringing me home and uh, Ed hops in the car and he's going back downtown. And I get an email from Ed. He's like, do you know who that was? I'm like, no. And, uh, he says, well, the woman was Lake Bell, who was one of the, you know, 100 hottest women. On, okay. Her fiance, Scott Campbell, like the best uh, uh, tattoo artist in okay. the country. Okay. And, but wait, but wait, the best part, the, the actor who I told, good luck. Yeah, good luck. Justin Thoreau. He's doing. He's doing okay. Yeah. yeah. What is he from? What is he from? Justin Thoreau. Like everything. Come on, really? He wrote. Do- First of all, he wrote Dodgeball, which is the only movie the entire Sachs family has watched from beginning to end without somebody picking up their phone or leaving the room. Okay, American Psycho, Charlie's Angels. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So I told him good luck. And oh, was, oh by the way, he, at that point, he was married to Jennifer Aniston too. Come on. <laughs> told you, dude. You, good, you luck, can't, good luck with everything you from can't me. You <laughs> can't make that stuff up. So um, anyway, uh, let's see what else. I noticed um, uh, changing the subject back to the financial markets with a, with a pinch of, uh, you know, snark. Um I noticed somebody discovered that there were planes from Hershey, Pennsylvania flying to Omaha. And um, so basically I was talking to Lisa about this. I said, you know, you got chocolate in Hershey, Pennsylvania and you got money in Omaha, right? I'm like, you got money on my chocolate. No, no, you got (laughs) chocolate on my money. Yep. (laughs) So, uh, you know, maybe there's something going on there. Interesting. But, uh, yeah. It's uh, because that, that's what the guy did in the movie Wall Street. He was following the guy around and like, where's that airplane going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tracking uh, flight aware. Yeah. 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 So so for all the people who think the guys making money are all smart, and, you know, I mean, first of all, never equate being smart with making money. And in the death now, this write this one down. Don't confuse being smart with being in a bull market. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes on because, uh, you know, 
there's really not that many ways to make money, right? I mean, the bulk of the thing is people buy stuff, it goes up, they make money, whatever, right? Um, when you get into the more sophisticated things, you get fewer and fewer people, right? Because they don't have the, the expertise, they don't have the resources. And so information, gathering information gets to be very important. That's, that's like the key thing. So uh, I'll pick on uh, Bill Ackman a little bit. And uh, I do that because you know how highly I think of him, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I'm using this as an example. So he decides he likes Starbucks, one of those things, right? So what he does is he goes in and buys a shit ton of Starbucks. And then he goes out and goes, hey, by the way, I like Starbucks. And the next thing you know, the thing's 10% higher just because he says he likes it. Okay. Well, think of this. Let's say he bought Starbucks and didn't tell anybody. If Starbucks is a really good company, over time, it should go up anyway. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that it's in, in that way, that makes sense to me. Because if he's buying a company because he thinks it's got good growth or uh, cash flow, I guess maybe in his case, he thinks he can push them to operate a little better. But if he didn't do anything, you would think at some point that what he was doing was accretive, right? Mm -hmm. So the stuff like I did, since it's treasuries, there is no inside information with treasuries, right? Everything's pretty much out in the open. But if you know how to put things together in different combinations, you, you could make some money. So, um, we were very careful about letting any information out about what we would be doing. In fact, um, to the point that when I was at Greenwich working with uh, Fish Fan Snowboard Pal, we built a system to analyze these trades. And, you know, like on an Excel spreadsheet, you'll have like a heading. It would be column A would be price, column B would be yield. When we got into the more sophisticated analytics, we'd have a code name or a sequence of letters or something because people would come in and they would look at what we were doing, you know, the dig through the garbage can and pull out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, people from different departments. Oh, yeah, sure. Because you throw your stuff in the recycling bin, right? Okay. Um, Is an example how significant this is. So I was at Greenwich and it was in the uh probably 93 94 and uh one of the brokers had uh invited a bunch of traders out on a boat ride so uh anyway go to the boat ride and it's pretty nice and i meet a couple of traders from jp morgan and you know they were um i think they were a little younger than me uh but you know at that point i was still in my thirties, uh, right. Or early mid thirties. And these guys probably late twenties. And they were talking about how they had figured out this trade. They were, they think they were going to make a lot of money about it. So I'm like, Oh yeah. Sounds complicated. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, involves like these high coupons. And, and so I start pulling on the thread. Right. And basically, um, this is, it was actually pretty fascinating. So there was one point 
where interest rates were very high. Okay. And let's say in this example, the interest rate on a bond was 10%. Okay. But at that point in time, interest rates had gone from 10% to 5%. Okay. So the older bonds had a 10% coupon and the new bonds had a 5% coupon. Okay. So five is half a 10, right? But the 10% bonds were trading at a much cheaper relative value. So you could take a 10% bond, buy that, you could effectively uh, short a couple of the 5% bonds at a ratio and just stick them away. And eventually, because it's just cash flow, those two would... As time went by, the, those two, the, the richness of the, of the 5% bonds relative to the cheapness of the 10% bonds would converge, mm-hmm. and uh, you'd make your money. Yep. So um, in Bill Ackman's world, he would probably go do that trade and then say, hey, look what I did, right? Well, I, I saw this thing, and I'm like taking this one to my grave, mm-hmm. right? Wow. And, and we, did that, we did that for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, wow. uh, you know, it it didn't have the same bang for the buck as some of these other option things we did. But, you know, you just kind of threw it in the mix. Yeah. But once again, you know, we didn't, uh, we wouldn't tell anybody about it. Um, the largest trade we had on, which we ran for years, uh, it involved two spreads. No point in me explaining it because it's, it's, but... We didn't it's, too even, much, it's too much inside baseball? I, I don't know that it would add any value to what we're talking about, but we wouldn't, we, we called the trade beanbag. Eventually, that got shortened to bag. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, it was massive. It was, it was, I don't even know the number, 10 billion aside, 15 billion aside. But we just didn't want anybody to know what we were doing. And, um, it's just a, it's just kind of an interesting thing to me where you get so many people, they like to talk about what they're doing. And, uh, I mean, look, I, I've got, as, as you know, uh, there, there's you, Big E, you know, half dozen other guys I communicate to regularly. And I'm, I'm completely transparent about what I do other than the sizes, right? Mm-hmm. Only because it doesn't add any doesn't, value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, I understand. I'll, I'll talk about percentage risk, mm-hmm. but you know, if it's a hundred grand or a hundred million, what's the difference? It, mm-hmm. It's it's all that matters is your relative proportion, right? Yep. So, I'm completely down with you. Have to have a dialogue. There's a dialogue to draw out strengths and weaknesses and mistakes, right? Or misunderstandings and miscalculations. And then there's just the throwing shit out there because you want it to be the greater fool theory, mm-hmm. which is, hey, look at me, I bought this, and I mean, what's the that that concept on steroids is the Reddit crowd, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah, it's exactly what it is. Yeah, well, um, these are all textbook examples of late stage mania and uh, all time highs last week. Not only uh, are we at all-time highs, 
uh, I think um, margin debt is at all time high. Not only that, um, it sounds like I saw this chart and I've got it, but I don't want to fiddle with my computer and, and screw up the podcast. But, um, and this is predominantly millennials and Gen Zs, whatever those are. Mm-hmm. They are taking out personal loans instead of using margin debt. Now, that seems a little silly to me in a couple of ways. One is the personal loan rate is going to be much higher than the margin. Now, the thing is, the way this chart is set up, I don't know. The personal loan could be on top of the margin loan. So it's like the people who go to buy a house, and they borrow the down payment off the mm-hmm. credit card. Yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, uh, Charlie Munger had a great comment about margin debt. He's like, why would you borrow to buy something you don't need? Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, God, you know, the, the thing that's creeping me out is, you know, I'm starting to listen to these old guys and realize, number one, they're smart. They're right. And you know what? You're, you're an old guy now too. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I'm pushing up a bike up a fucking hill <laughs> <laughs> to get a, a, a stinking belt buckle that is going to sit. If I'm lucky enough to get it, it's mm-hmm. going to sit next to the one I got right. for the stage race, which mm-hmm. by the way, no one ever looks at. <laughs> you, I've been saying I, I've, I'm going to get a belt to yeah. wear mine since 2019. I got that buckled two years ago. <laughs> My wife puts it somewhere different in the house, like monthly. You know, what are you doing with this? You ever going to wear it? No, no probably not. Um, I'm gonna um I'm gonna have multiple ones made up and I'm gonna (laughs) I'm gonna have one in each of my two houses. My children are each gonna have one in their house and then in the Morris B. Sachs Museum (laughs) as you walk in. You could get the uh Porsche emblem removed from the car and you could get the ball. I'm gonna do that. Replaced, yeah. That'd be classy. So the guy uh who's my neighbor in Scottsdale. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He is close with the guy Ken. Okay, who started the thing. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do you pronounce his last name? I don't know. Yeah, you can Google it, but I, I know yeah. who you're talking about. He shoots the gun. He's yeah, yeah. He's the, yeah. yeah him so, and his wife, right? Yeah, Merrill. Yeah. His wife's name is Merrill Lee. Cobalter, something like that. Okay. okay. Um, so my neighbor, who I've gotten to be friendly with, I called him up when I was in Leadville. I said, "Hey, I'm in Leadville." Because he did it with his son like years ago, and and so to tell you what, like these guys living in Scottsdale, he picks up the phone. How you doing? Good. Where are you? Oh, I'm in Italy racing. <laughs> with your bike? No, no. Uh, the Ferrari Masters. Wow, in Italy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I says okay. Good. Mm-hmm, good for mm-hmm. you. Enjoy. Good for you. But he said, "Here, I know Ken. Here's Ken's phone number. Give him a call." I'm like, okay. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I I I, uh, I call him up and voicemail. And I hi, this is Morris Sachs, and and like two minutes later, the guy calls back, and 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 I talked to him for like half an hour. Wow, really? So he's eighty-one years old. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, this guy blows away Tony Robbins. Okay, he is so upbeat, motivating. Oh yeah, and I know. So we're telling old guy stories, and uh, I gave him the the spiel about you know how 
the 12 hours, zero minutes and 46 seconds, how it was a much better story than 1159. Mm-hmm. He was like, you mm-hmm. don't get it, Morris. He says, the beauty of 1159 is there is no story. Yep, exactly. <laughs> it's true. Wow. Yeah. So uh, he says, I look forward to shaking your hand. We're going to, I'm going to see him when I yeah, go yeah. Out before the race and stuff. Awesome. Like that, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Good. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to be out in Telluride a couple weeks before the race to uh, um, get accustomed to the uh, the altitude. Acclimate, so maybe yeah. uh, I have to remember to take uh, the microphone and we can broadcast from uh, yeah. from uh, 10,000 feet. You're going to do the the show. Is, is Leadville on a Saturday or it's on a Saturday, right? Saturday. Okay. Yeah. That should be that should be a fun show Sunday. Yeah. I <laughs> You still you uh, did your did your training trip increase or decrease your optimism? Well, it started out before I did anything. I was very optimistic. After the second ride, I was planning on quitting. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I um I spoke to Ken Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just and <laughs> yeah. and and it's like I guess I'm doing this. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then uh, Friday, there's something that uh, Jason explained to me. So when you go to altitude, obviously there's less oxygen in the air, right? And so you you feel it, right? Because it's harder to walk, it's harder to breathe, this and that. It's hard to sleep. It's a terrible feeling. Yeah. One of the things that happens is for three or four days, your brain disconnects from your perceived level of effort. So what happens is if you're walking, just normally walking, your brain senses you're not getting enough oxygen. So it increases your respiration more than it needs to. Okay. So effectively, if you're not careful, you're hyperventilating. And over three or four days, that part balances out. Now, you still are only getting, you know, 82% of the oxygen you get at sea level, but now you're getting this this, um, balance between how it feels and what the power output is. And so the last day, okay, we rode for about two hours, drilled it. Felt I, I just felt great. Yep. And I went and I looked at the, the power numbers, and, and every ride I did, the power number went up and the heart rate went down at, yeah. you, know, you know, on the next mm-hmm. ride. Yeah, yeah, of course. And yeah. so that's why I think being out there for a couple of weeks is, yeah. you know, I get the hydration right. Yeah, I'll I was because you flew in and you rode the next day. You you went you flew into this Colorado. Trip. Yeah, this yeah, trip yeah. you flew, and the next day you rode. Yeah, yeah. See, that's a tall order for me. I don't. I, I always took almost a couple days. But we did that at Leadville when you and I went. Got lucky. Yeah, well, I don't how, trust that because that. well, that's you're just so fit. Like, yeah. So so if you went. What you did, eleven fifteen something yeah, like that. Yeah, whatever it was. Yeah, eleven thirty something like okay, that. Okay, yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. If you went out there for two weeks, right? You'd be you'd be like a, a ten hour guy. Right. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, me being out there for two weeks makes I think me, that's awesome. Makes me an 11 hour guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I, I just, to answer your question, which I think is, am I more confident or less? I'm as confident as I was before I went out there, but that's a, that's a good thing. Like I, I think I've, you know, I'm on the right track and uh, I've learned a lot of stuff and, you know, it's not riding 103 miles. It's the being at altitude for 12 hours. And I know I can do that. And, you know, I kind of chuckle a little bit to myself because, you know, we know people are like, oh, I could do that. No problem. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe not. And, and, there was a, the one guy who, um, a Colombian guy used to ride with us, the best guy out there, right? He went out the first time he raced, couldn't finish. Mm-hmm. I know. Yep. Went out too hard and did like 65 or something in DNF, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and a year or two later, he went back and crushed mm-hmm. it, right? Aced it, yeah. But, but you got to you, you gotta know what game you're, you're in and... Uh, are you going to start yeah. ramping down? Are you done with big rides no, now? No, I've got. I'm going to try and do three or four six hour rides. Okay. Between uh, I, I got. You know, this is sounds shitty. Uh, at this point, six hours on a bike here at sea level, no problem. Yeah. Right. No problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, you just got to go out there and, as you know, just suffer and get it done. And why do you do it? Because it's there, and then I can. Yeah, Ken tells me because uh, I said I just want to get it done already. He says, "What do you mean?" So, well, I'd like to say I did it and mm-hmm. be done. He goes, "You're not going to want to stop, right? Why would you stop? It's yeah, it's a challenge. It's what mm-hmm. life's about. You're supposed mm-hmm. to think of you know." Um, to quote uh, Random Dave, "Not everything in life has to be hard, Morris." <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I, I I didn't get the memo. Ah, <laughs> uh, brother. Well, any anything else we missed? No, it's quiet. No, we got our shots in on tether. Um, it was quiet. No, let's talk about. Uh, I mean, you tell me. I, I'm not. I, I don't see anything going on. Um, that excites me to be honest. I think it's summer. I think it's dog days of summer. I'm just waiting for the tes- te- the tether. Oh, I you see me? I slipped. I said Tesla when yeah. I meant tether. Yeah. Um, if you allow me to disagree, uh, you know, I I was not in the office last week, which was good because I proved um, I lost less money out of town, mm-hmm. so it was a good mm-hmm. thing. But the um, the the claims numbers were shitty, meaning yeah. the economy is not doing great. And right, then right. coming up on uh, a week, at the end of the week on Friday, we get the non-farm payroll number again, and you know. Uh, the good news, bad news about these podcasts is once they're up, people can go back. Uh, you know, I think the economy is going south. It's going south in a hurry. And uh, the payroll numbers just aren't showing any oomph. Now, I just saw in the paper that the red states, the the Republican states, the ones where they cut off the extra benefits – the unemployment rates are dropping more quickly there because people want to work. They want to get mm-hmm. the money, right? Mm-hmm. And if the benefits of stay at home are too high, people don't work. 
So you got that going for you. Um, but uh, I, I just, um, I, I just, you know, I, I think there's so much uh, going on. I keep repeating the same thing. We went six months where nobody did anything. And there's a hole that got plugged by the government. And, you know, it's that old broken window thing. You know, the broken yeah. window fallacy. So, yeah. uh, you know, does the, I guess the real question is, does the economy, when it settles in, end up at a 3% GDP, a 2%, or a 1%? And that's huge difference, right? Um, and I'm... I'm a sub two guy, which means the Fed ain't tightening. They're not even going to stop the quantitative easing. And so that stuff's going to be here for a while. Now, what's that mean for the stock market? I have no idea. I'm I'm done. I'm done predicting. But uh, the day the Fed does legitimately tighten, which is going to be like a regime change that we've not had in well, I'd say 2018, but but really even longer than that. The problem with loose money for long periods of time is there's all sorts of troubles and problems in positions that get buried that don't manifest themselves because nobody has to have a, a, a monetization event. Nobody has to sell that security to raise cash, right? And there's a phrase... In a crisis, all correlations go to one. What, what does that mean? It means when there's a problem, people want to take their illiquid asset and turn it into cash. And, you know, stocks, even IBM, they're liquid till they're not. And when everybody is selling, they become illiquid. And, and that, you know, that's my thing about, you know, if you're not 100% in love with something, don't be in it. Because if you're just ambivalent and you decide you don't like it, if you don't, if you pick the time to get out when everyone else is getting out, it's just, it skews the, the payout and, and it makes no sense. So uh, as I've said many times in my results year to date, uh, prove it. Uh, I'm not afraid to be on the sidelines. Uh, but once again, you know, we, we did the compare and contrast between MB and Liam, right? Mm-hmm. Liam's a long-term buy and hold investor and MB's a charlatan, you know, rape and pillager, uh, <laughs> taking advantage of widows and orphans a vulture. And, and drunks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, I think we're running out of time and I'm certainly running. It must be 92 degrees in here. Oh, lucky I had right. my my cold and I won't mention the name, but I'm lucky I got my cold carbonated beverage with yeah. Um, yeah. They can go back and listen to some other episodes <laughs> and they might find the uh the tagline oh, for oh, that. By the way, I if I can get one little little snarkin. So Big E and company went up to that restaurant in Bedford. Remember the one where they were jerking us around mm-hmm, about mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. apparently they had a table for eight and six of the eight Come showed on. up and they wouldn't they wouldn't see them i'm gonna blame uh the big e on uh, for this one because he's a listener of the show he was forewarned of this situation 
What's wrong? Let me ask you, what's wrong with the John George place up there? I I don't I like that. They, they, okay. They they well first off for me it's forty men to drive. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's number one. Number two, they never change the menu. Okay. Yep. I, mean, I looked at it, it looks fine. It, it it does, but you know, yeah. it, for for the eighth year in a row, Got the, it. the seared ahi to mm-hmm. the appetizer mm-hmm. or the uh, steak tartare or the you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just oh, like I get it. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, how about a little something? How, how, mm-hmm. Put a little, put your back into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I understand. Yep. You know, nobody cares. Train harder. Harder. Yep. All right. All right. See Thank you, you around and uh, keep the face. Yeah, next week on uh, what does your sister want us to call it? Old men yelling at cars. Old men <laughs> yelling at cars at right, www. <laughs> hey, what's the uh, email, email address? Questions. Yeah. Inside baseball cast at gmail. That's all one word. Inside baseball cast at gmail.com. All right, pal. Take care. See ya. Thank you.